The following program is sponsored by Evangelical Life Ministries. Welcome to Engaging Truth, the manifestation of God's Word in the lives of people around us. Join us each week as we explore the impact of His message of spiritual renewal, from the lesson of forgiveness forged in the crucible of divorce, to the message of salvation learned by an executioner from a condemned killer, to the gift of freedom found in the rescue of victims of human trafficking. This is God's Truth in Action. Welcome to Engaging Truth. I'm your host, Matt Popovitz. And on tonight's program is Judy Glenny. She's the author of the book, Mom, I'm a Girl. And she's here to talk to us about her journey with her son. Judy, welcome to Engaging Truth. Thank you so much, Matt. I really am enjoying the the show, and I appreciate you having me. Uh, well, we are we're very fortunate to to talk with you and to to have you share with us uh, your story, which is really also your, your son's story. And for those who aren't familiar with uh, the book that you've written and the journey that you've been on, um, uh, share with us uh, what's the story behind the book that you wrote. Mom, I'm a girl is about my journey with my transgendered son. It was a book, I will say, that I did not want to write, but the Lord really impressed upon me that it really needs to be told that transgenderism is an issue that is only going to um, progress as we get farther along in this, in this generation. My son was born a male, and he was a boy through and through. There was no question. He enjoyed boy things. He uh, growing up, he navigated toward all kinds of sports and and really being a, a boy's boy. But somewhere along the line, he mentioned that he had some questions about his sexuality. I really didn't. Now, mind you, I, I will preface this by saying that this was in the late 90s, early 2000s. So this was a while ago, and transgenderism was not on the forefront like it is today. So I didn't have a lot of background. I didn't have knowledge of this whole uh, issue. So when he started the conversation with, Mom, I think I should have been a girl. I just took it as a natural pre-adolescent questioning of sexuality, where, who am I, where am I going, what is all about being a boy, what is all about being a girl, and so forth. So I didn't think it uh, all that unusual to, to engage in this conversation. So I told him about uh, a little bit about my story. I have a weightlifting background, which is obviously very unique to <laughs> to women. And I told him, well, it's okay to kind of question where you are as far as your sexuality uh, is concerned. Uh, so we had a, a short conversation, and it seemed to be okay with him. It kind of settled him down, and he didn't ask too many more questions. That was about the age of 12, 13. Later on, closer to high school, he started really questioning. He started changing, and he came right out and said, Mom, I am tired of living the lie. I know I'm a girl. That's when I really started to question what was this all about, 
I didn't, as I mentioned, I didn't know anything about this. I didn't know if it was a physical type of thing, something in the brain that truly is a disconnect between the brain and the body. I didn't know if it was emotional. I didn't know if it was psychological. Just where was this coming from? So we, that's what really the book is all about is, is how we navigated through that, those last years of him transitioning, making his statement as a girl going from a, from a male to a female. I uh, knew that God had created him a boy. There was no question. My husband and I reaffirmed this over and over to him that God had a plan for him as a man, not as a woman. But he insisted that, that he was. At about age, oh, I would say late 16, late 17, uh, into his 17th year, he started taking hormones and um, that's when the change really started to happen. He started to make emotional changes. He started to make some physical changes. And then um, just uh, several months shy of his 20th birthday, he took his life because he had told us that if he could not live as a woman, he would not live at all. Wow. So that's the story. And uh, part of the story is the lessons God taught me through this whole journey. Judy, that's, that's, that, thank you for sharing that. What are some of those lessons that you learned? The first thing is always trust God. God has a plan for all of us. I had lots of doubts. I had lots of questions. There were times when I will admit that I didn't think it, that God heard my prayers. We prayed constantly for him, for God to, to intervene, to intercede for us, to change him into truly the, the man that God had planned him to be. So I would pray and, and nothing seemed to, it seemed like God was silent. But that was one of the first lessons that he said was, trust me, I hear your prayers. I see your tears. The answer may not be what we want it to be. Sometimes God says, yes, I hear you and answer your prayers and we will go the route that seems to be what you want it to be. Other times he says, wait. And waiting can be very, very long in that process. And we constantly doubt and think God's not hearing our prayers. But he's saying, I am working. Be patient with me. I am working. And sometimes he says, no, the plan that you have is not my plan. But I had to trust him fully that every promise that he said in his word was absolute truth. And I had learned these truths. I grew up in the church. I knew all the little promises, all the little ditties that were said, oh, Romans eight twenty eight. all things work together for good, that love God, and so forth. But when it came right down to it, did I really believe that I take those promises for myself and say, God, I know who you are. I am a child of yours. I can really trust you 
to be who you said you were. You told me you would never leave me or forsake me. I now believe that. I now believe that there is no temptation taken me as such as common demand. But you're going to make a way that I can get through this. You're going to make a way for my son to get through this. But I have to trust you. I will not see the next step, perhaps, where you're leading in this journey. But I know for a fact that you are there, that you have my hand, that you have a plan for both of us. You have a plan for my life, and you have a plan for my son's life. And it may not be exactly like I have laid it out, and you've, and God said in his word, yeah, my plans are oftentimes higher than your plans, and your ways are not my ways. So I had to really take a hold of those of those promises. And at one time, I remember I I sat down with God's word, and it just hit me that I need to to take those words in, like I was eating. I put those those the promises in my mouth, and I chewed, and I believed, and I swallowed them. And when I swallowed them. They were a part of me. I knew that God was truly who he said he was, the omnipotent God, the omniscient God. He knew the problems I was going through. He knew the problems that my son was going through. It didn't take him by surprise. He knew all of this, but I had to trust him for every step that we were going through, even though he was not making the way clear for us. And so you really believe and, and are still comforted to this day, it sounds like, by the, by the promise that even though your, your son and you and your husband went through a, a really difficult journey, ultimately uh, one which you, your son tragically took his own life, you, mm-hmm. you really mm-hmm. still are comforted by the promise that, that God is good and God is in control and, and God is, is working all things toward, toward an ending. Uh, that will be for for his glory and, and and the good of all of us. Is that is that safe to say? Oh, absolutely. And it it is. I, I say funny, but oftentimes God works this way. That, like I said in the beginning, that I didn't want to write this book, but God said write it. And part of the reason that He had me write this was for me. He said write those things down, and time and time again. He has brought my own words back to me that I have written. And he would say, remember the things that you wrote? Remember those lessons that I taught you? They're still here. They haven't changed. They're still working today. And my my ultimate comfort is I know that my son made a decision for Jesus Christ. He accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. He knew that Jesus Christ died for his sins on the cross and that Jesus rose on the third day to give him everlasting life. And he reiterated that to me. I kind of doubted that fact because um, he had made that decision when he was very young. And as time passed, I began to really doubt that he had that relationship with the Lord. And I asked him, and I was kind of afraid that he would say, no, I never made that decision. But he didn't. 
He said, Mom, you think I don't remember when I made that decision, but I do. And there's no question. He is my Savior. And for that very fact, I know that he is alive in heaven with his Savior, Jesus Christ, and he is worshiping him now, and I will see him again. And that's the greatest comfort that I have. The great promise of the gospel is that God's grip on us through the promises of Jesus Christ is stronger than our hold on him. That uh, the promises he gives to us in belief and baptism are true for us even as we struggle with our identity, even as we, uh, we, we tragically may even take our own lives. The truth of God's promises and the grip of his grace will not be undone by our own wrestlings, our own sins, and our own struggles. And that certainly is true for your son as well. Oh, absolutely. And that's the, the thing that, that we have to remember, too, is that that after um, we go through these journeys and, and after these these really difficult circumstances, we look back and say, what could I have done? What could I have said? Where did we go wrong? And all of these things. And God said to me, and that was another lesson that I had to learn. He says, you can't go back and change what has happened. Yes, you might have done some things uh, that I, I didn't, uh, mistakes that I may, may have made. But I look back and I confessed those that I thought that I had done wrong. And God said, if you've confessed those, they are forgiven. They are forgotten. We move on from here. I have a plan for you. Even though your plan didn't work out like a, like you wanted to, my plan still goes on. My plan still is in, in effect. And you are here alive, and that means we're going on together. Just keep hold of my hand, and I will guide you through the rest of your days. His days may have come to an end, but you're still here. I still have a purpose for your life. Let's go on together. Judy, we live in a day and age where, where um, those who identify as transgender are encouraged to, to accept that identity, and, and those around them are encouraged to, to embrace fully that transition from, say, male to female or, or female mm -hmm. to male and, and support them mm -hmm. in that and to encourage that. Uh, but mm -hmm. in your story, you and your husband very clearly attempted to help your son understand that he was, he was created good as a man and that part of his path in life was to come to terms with that and embrace that and, and try to make peace with that. Uh, what, what are your concerns about a culture that is encouraging young people who identify as transgender to, to embrace that fully? Oh, my goodness. This is, this is only doing them a disservice. There have been so many examples of people who thought this was going to be their answer, and it's not. So what I would say is, especially to, to Christians, is that we know that, that God created them in the gender that they were born in. So we try to encourage them to, to get right, first of all, with God and allow God to work in their, in their, uh, bodies to reconcile the, the doubts that they have. 
to the unbelieving world, it is still something that we need to to tell them this is not this is not going to bring you the happiness that you think it will. You may change the outside, but you are still the same on the inside, and what you're doing is just tearing your physical body apart and it's only going to bring you unhappiness. And we can address those other things, but if we don't address the core thing, which is being made whole by a God who made us and love us, loves us, uh, then, then we're, we're, we're only really dancing around the true issue, right? Oh, absolutely. It's like trying to fit uh, a square peg in a round hole. You're, you're going all around this whole thing, and it truly is, Matt, I do believe that this whole thing is a spiritual issue, that the enemy has has overcome our, our culture, as you say, and especially our Christian kids are even doubting who they are and what they are in, in their identity in Jesus Christ. So, yes, the, the peace is like everything else. It's fleeting. And if it's fleeting, it, there are some dire circumstances to these, uh, to the search that, that has been, uh, that they have taken on this journey and it is not going to end well. And, and, and yet those who identify as transgender, they, they need an incredible amount of compassion. I mean, certainly if, if your own son's journey is any indication, mm-hmm. in, in, in reading the book, he, he struggled so greatly uh, to the point of even taking his own life. And, and that's mm-hmm. a part of the, the journey of, 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 for those who identify as transgender that perhaps many don't realize is the, is the depth of, of, of torment and struggle and mm-hmm. confusion that they wrestle with. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and young people, all, all people are struggling with this, like, like your son did. Uh, they they need a tremendous amount of, of empathy and compassion, right? Oh, my goodness, yes. They are in a struggle, and that's what we really need to realize is that bashing them, arguing, and, and these kind of confrontations are not really going to help them. They need the compassion. They need our unconditional love. And that's the fine line that we need to walk is that we love them with the love of God because we know that God has a plan for them in in their body that God gave them. And we want them to have that joy. We want them to have that peace. But on the other hand, if we condone the actions that they are doing, it's only going to bring them the unhappiness that uh, that will that won't satisfy so um, if we have friends that are that are in that particular situation yes we need to love them but we need to love them to the point to where we need to confront them and say you know God loves you in the gender that he gave you at birth do you know that he has a plan and a purpose for you in that body so Yes, we need the compassion, we need the the love, uh, but we can't allow them, we can't enable them Mm. to go on down the path because we know that it will only lead to destruction. Judy, what would you say to parents of of a young person who has come to them openly questioning their, their gender 
and um, and they're being encouraged by the world around them to to embrace that wrestling and to perhaps even begin a transition. And there are parents who are caught flat-footed and um, shocked by these revelations. What what would you say to just to encourage those parents of those children? First of all, I would say be informed. Be informed about what this is all about. This is a spiritual issue. It is a an emotional issue. This is not physiological. This is not caused by anything in the brain. And that's what a lot of the people will tell you is that this is out of their control. This is a spiritual matter. First of all, you need to pray for your children. Pray that, that they will, first of all, if they haven't made that commitment or, the, or that decision to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior, you need to get that uh, clear to them. And then also, uh, sometimes we can get, especially if you feel that this is something they should not be engaged in, we tend to be uh, bringing all kinds of information to them about it once you do know what it is, and then start to put that forth to them. My suggestion would be just to keep the communication going. Keep asking questions gently. Uh, we, you don't want to um, push them. You, you don't want to engage them in an argument. But gently ask them questions. Why do they feel this way? What are their plans? Uh, where are they, they getting their information? Those types of, of things. Keep the communication open. That is so vital. Um, look for signs that they may be getting into uh, the hormone, the hormones that uh, are uh, the first step toward transition, and look for those wide emotional swings, those changes in behavior and in emotions, and then again, gently ask them, where is this coming from? The other thing that we need to really keep in mind is that even though we love them, even though we can uh, do all these things that I just mentioned, the kids are going to make their choices. And and, and a lot of times their, their choices will be not the choices that we would have them make, but God has given them free will and they will make choices just like we have a choice, but that first choice really needs to be hammered in. Have you made that decision for Jesus Christ? If you know that they have and that they are a child of God, then we can go from there and say, did you know that God really does have a plan for you in the gender that he gave you at, at birth? That's a fantastic plan that you have. So be in prayer, constantly be in prayer, and um, let your kids know that you love them unconditionally, whether they transition, whether they make these choices that you don't agree with, you still love them, and that's really, really important. Unfortunately, they may come back, and what is very common is that they will associate your condoning their behavior with your love and that's oftentimes where the line needs to be drawn and you need to to 
make sure that you're following God's um, purpose for their life and not allowing them, not enabling them like our culture would like us to do, but you're trying to reconcile them. God is a God of redemption, and he wants that child in a relationship with him above all else. Judy, where can people um, learn more about your story? Where can they access your book? Where can they where can they purchase it? They can go to my website, and it's just Judy Glennie, all one word, judyglennie.com. And you'll see my book there. It's uh, it's just $10, and I can personally sign that and maybe give you a word of encouragement. Uh, but it's very easy, judyglennie.com. Judy, thank you so much for being with us on Engaging Truth and for sharing your story. We hope to have you back. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. I've enjoyed talking with you. And thank you for listening and being with us here on Engaging Truth. We hope you'll join us again next time. Thank you for listening to this broadcast of Engaging Truth. Be sure to join us each week at this time. To help support our ministry, contact Evangelical Life Ministries, Post Office Box 568, Cypress, Texas, 77410, or visit our website at elmhouston.org, or find us on Facebook at Evangelical Life Ministries. Thank you.